Hey guys, how's it going? Oh, I'm so glad. I want to extend another warm Southern Texas welcome to our Washington friends. Um, yeah, it's just been really, I mean, guys, they come for their spring break to do outreach on our campus. Um, and I think that they just, yeah, have been really faithful to what the Spirit has invited them to be bold with and having conversations with people on a campus that they don't even, they don't even go here. Um, and they're here, you know, spreading the gospel and, and, you know, yeah, inviting people into hopefully our ministry. So we just thank you guys so much. It's been so fun having you here. We'll miss you a lot. Um, but yeah, it's been really fun. Um, well, it's so good to be with you tonight. My name is Kylie, and I'm one of your campus pastors. This is my fourth year working for Focus, um, and I love you guys. I'm so thankful to work on an amazing team and work at this amazing campus. I just recently decided to uh, work for Focus for four more years. So, <laughs> no, there's people chanting four more years. I will not contribute to that. I almost did. I almost got really excited, and then I was like, oh, that's not a good idea. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited about that. You guys just make it not even feel like work, and I love getting to, to be with you guys and be friends with you. Um, we're in a series right now called Does Jesus Care About Blank? If you guys want to start putting my slides up. Um, but yeah, I think as Christians, this may seem a little strange. Of course Jesus cares about all of these things. You may be questioning if we even read the Bible if we're asking this question. Um, but I think it's a question that we ought to take seriously and ask if we're actually putting our answer into practice. Because as followers of Jesus, we care about the things that he cares about. I don't know about y'all, but I was so convicted during Lindsay's message because of course I know Jesus cares about politics, right? Because he cares about everything. But then she said, I'm going to address those of you who are apathetic and think it's other people's jobs to be involved, so you have a free pass. And I wanted to pass out, um, mainly because I felt convicted that I rely on other people to be involved in politics and represent me in the majority, rather than taking ownership of my role in politics as a Jesus person. So yeah, whether you're a new or old Christian, um, I think these topics help us to remember why Jesus cares about things and why we should, which hopefully leads us to examine our heart and the fruit of our lives and determine if we're caring about these things that Jesus cares about by putting that care into action. If you're just exploring who Jesus is, then understanding what Jesus cares about and why he cares about it might bring you to realize that if we all lived like Jesus, this world would be a much better place. Be a much better place. So tonight, I'm going to be digging into everyone's favorite topic, the topic of relationships, specifically dating relationships. Da -da -da -da. Does Jesus care about my love life? Does Jesus care about my love life? Does he care about how I treat the person that I'm dating? Yes. And then I could sit down and just be like, okay, praise team, you guys come on up. Um, and if there's one thing I would want you to take away, one thing from tonight, is this. Don't conform, be transformed. Don't conform, be transformed. It's from Romans 12, 1 through 2. 
and says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The patterns of the world when it comes to romance and dating and marriage do not reflect how Jesus cares for people. We must be transformed to view romance and dating and marriage following Jesus's example of loving people. And how we do that is by denying ourselves and following him. We do that by denying ourselves and following him. So conforming to the pattern of the world and what society says looks like believing that you cannot have a meaningful life without romantic love. That the only way to be truly fulfilled is by having a romantic relationship. But being transformed shows us that we are not called to be married. We're not called to date. We are called to follow Jesus. You can um, go to 1 Corinthians 7. I didn't have a ton of time to go into this, but Paul actually values singleness over marriage. He talks about that in this passage. He seems to argue that single people can get a lot more done in ministry than married people, and he actually encourages people to stay single. But he doesn't disparage marriage. He just says there's a lot of value in being single. We're not less than if we choose to be single. We are called to honor God whether we're single or in a relationship. But I think even in the general Christian community, it can come across that marriage is this elevated state of life superior to singleness. I'm sure that when you go home and visit your family, one of the first questions that you're asked is, so are you, are you dating someone? Is there anyone new I should know about? And there may even be disappointment from that person when you say you're still single. I know people who freak out if they're still in their mid-20s and single. Like there's no hope for you past the age of 25 to find someone. Um, so you should start panicking immediately. Just panic and have so much anxiety. But it's good news to us that Jesus doesn't call us to be married to have life to the full. He calls us to follow him. So don't conform, be transformed. So we see that we don't have to be in a romantic relationship to have value in God's eyes, and that singleness is a great thing, and that's a choice that you have. But there are those of us who will choose that we do want to be married, we do want to be in a relationship. So how can we keep from conforming to the patterns of this world in how we view our dating relationships? and be transformed to look more like Jesus in how we view dating relationships. I think we can assume that Jesus's ideal for our dating is what he physically modeled for us in his relationships when he lived on earth. Jesus didn't date, um, and there aren't scriptures on dating because it wasn't a thing back then. They didn't date. He also wasn't married, so there's no specifics of Jesus in a romantic relationship to turn to. But I think something important to remember is that dating is not a separate way of relating to someone. Dating is not a separate way of relating to someone. A dating relationship and how we treat one another in a dating relationship is built off of how we relate as friends, 
how we relate in relationships that aren't romantic. So we can look at how Jesus treated people and how he approached people in his ministry and scriptures about loving people and honoring people and relate to one another in dating in that same way by his example. We can look at who Jesus kept in his company and who he chose to eat at the table with. So tax collectors like Zacchaeus, who were hated by everyone else because they cheated people. But Jesus did not conform to the world around him in how they treated Zacchaeus. He sought him out and told him he was going to his house, and it transformed him. The woman caught in adultery who was judged by the people that wanted to stone her, but who Jesus did not condemn and who he called to live a life free of sin. Or the man with leprosy who Jesus physically touched after this man was cast out and ignored because people feared getting sick. Think about not having human contact for years. I mean, I guess we got somewhat of a taste of it with the pandemic, so you may not have to imagine too far, but really, like being in total isolation for years, separate from everyone who you care about. Um, and Jesus, who was perfectly able to heal without physically touching the man, intentionally makes contact with him and says, I am willing, be clean. Or the Samaritan woman and how Jesus crossed all kinds of barriers to speak with her and reveal himself as God to her. These people were rejected by society. They did not have worth or value in the eyes of those around them for a lot of different reasons. But Jesus did not conform to the world around him and how he treated people. He loved them and radically transformed their lives in a very personal way and in that transformed how people went about loving people. The common thread in these stories is that Jesus didn't act in self-interest. He did not surround himself with people who enhanced his social status or who treated people with the same level of selflessness that he did. He denied himself and he put others above him. If we think that a transformed world full of people who love like Jesus sounds beautiful, why do we keep conforming to the world and giving into selfishness in our relationships? If we think it sounds so good, then why does it look the same? Why don't we love people in this unconditional way? Our society craves a transformed world that loves everyone and values people on an equal playing field. We want world peace and we want a world where people don't judge people. So why is our world the way it is and not a world full of people who model Jesus's love? Because we are broken and we are sinful and we are selfish. Our relationships are broken, sinful, and selfish too. A lot of you have done outreach on our campus this week and that's been the theme, God as healer in our relationships. Even when we try our best to love people and serve them and honor them, without Jesus and his example, we will always fall short because of our sin. We need Jesus to be part of transforming our relationships because without him, they're broken and messed up like the world that we live in. And we're not really touching on marriage much tonight because most of you are dating or will pursue um, dating as opposed to those of you who are married already, but um, even in our dating, we sometimes end up in many marriages in our dating relationships. We pretend like we're married. We get too intimate too fast. 
because we're infatuated. And then we're surprised when we feel the heartache of a mini divorce. <laughs> Breakups can be loving. Hey, I don't think we're compatible, and I want us both to find someone that we're compatible with and that we can lead the life and marriage that we each are looking for. It's loving to look out for the needs of someone else and see that in your incompatibility, you wouldn't be good life partners to one another. It's also loving, if you're being broken up with, to continue to honor that person in how you talk about them with your friends, even when you're hurt or you don't agree with that decision. So as you see, there's a lot of potential for hurt and brokenness in our relationships. But because of Jesus' love and pursuit of a personal relationship with us, we have hope. We have an example of what a world transformed by Jesus can look like if we partner with him and model our care for people in romantic relationships after how he loves people. Don't conform. Be transformed. I think one of the biggest patterns of the world that we see is selfishness. It's all about me and what I want. In order to be transformed, we must deny ourselves and follow Jesus. This comes from Matthew 16, 24 through 27 or 28. I don't remember where I stopped. But then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. In order to look like Jesus in how we date, we have to deny ourselves and our selfishness in how we date. So I want to give some practicals of what this looks like in terms of how the patterns of the world are broken in our view of dating and how it might look to instead be transformed by Jesus's way of doing things. How he gives us hope in our relationships and encourages us to really love and care for people. So firstly, don't conform to the pattern of the world which says only the most attractive people have value and get asked out on dates. If I look around the room and no one appeals to me physically, there's no reason I should ask them out on a date or get to know them. In romantic movies and TV shows, they're all hot. <laughs> like, aren't they? they? They choose just the most bizarre. OK, actually, go to, go to my next slide really quick. OK, I saw this and I thought this was so funny. OK, this is Charlie from Cheaper by the Dozen. He's the second oldest. He is supposed to be 17, and he's 25. And I saw this meme that said they really expected us to believe this was a junior in high school. OK, you can go back. I just thought that was funny. Um, but yeah, no one's even average looking. It kind of gives off this message, like who cares if he or she has a crappy personality if they look like that? Or fill in the blank of your hot celebrity. It also makes us think that we have to be hot as the people, or as hot as the people in the movies to get someone to date us or to find someone equally as hot. <laughs> or that the person we end up with has to look like a celebrity, you know, for people to approve of our relationship. Um, so you can skip Charlie. Um, but being transformed 
looks like 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The good news for us is that Jesus does not ascribe value to people based on youth and appearance. Jesus didn't just die on the cross for pretty people. He died for everyone, and he looks at our hearts when he determines our value. What would our community look like if we modeled who we ask out on dates or who we seek to get to know based on people's character? Not if they're taller than us, or if they have dark hair, or if they're skinny. I think it would open the door to get to know a lot more people in our community, and we wouldn't be judging people based off of appearance to get to know them. I understand that physical attraction is part of a relationship, but I don't think it should be the most important characteristic that we look for in someone. Do you care more about your significant other having a heart for God or that you really like looking at them? I also think that our physical attraction for someone can grow the more we get to know them and really enjoy their personality or how compatible we are. Everyone has value, but what should make us attracted to someone is that they live their life for God and not that they live a life based on what pop culture values. Don't conform. Be transformed. And how do you figure out if someone lives their life for God? You ask them to get coffee and you get to know them. Don't let dates be this huge deal that we overanalyze and we're all like worried about and oh my gosh, but I don't actually, I don't want to, you know, this thing. If you want to get to know them, just ask to get to know them and go do it and then you know someone else in the community. If it doesn't turn into anything, that's great. There doesn't have to be this pressure. Also, if you're looking at physical boundaries as rules that are meant to control you and not as something that helps you honor someone else and protects you since you're not in a covenant relationship, then you've got it backwards. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform. Be transformed. We offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God and deny ourselves, our temptations, and our desires to follow him. This person belongs to God, and we want to honor them as such. Basing whether you date someone off of physical or sexual chemistry is conforming to the pattern of the world, and we see how the world is doing statistically in terms of successful relationships. It's going swimmingly. Okay, conforming to the pattern of the world looks like saying that your relationship is your business and that you have the best judgment on who and how to date. Who you date and how you date is solely up to you and the other person in the relationship because you know yourself best, right? And you know this other person best. You just got to follow your heart. That's my best advice. Follow your heart. It is so trustworthy. Guys, that advice is from the world, and it leads to selfishness. Being transformed follows advice that we're given in Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? We are not called to follow our heart, but to follow Jesus. We are not called to follow our heart. We are called to follow Jesus. 
Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In this vein of thinking we know best, conforming to the world may assume that your friends or spiritual mentors don't have better judgment on this person than you do because you really know them. You don't need advice because in all of your 18 to 22 years of life, you know everything there is to know about the opposite sex and relating to them in dating. But Proverbs has plenty to say about how seeking wise counsel transforms us and points us to look more like Jesus. Proverbs 11:14, where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is victory. 12:5, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. 19, 20 through 21, listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. Many plans are in a man's heart that, remember, is deceitful. But the counsel of the Lord will stand. And I really hope this is kind of a plug for pizza theology because it's going to be going over the wisdom literature. But, um, but yeah, guys, we need wisdom. And we need help discerning what wisdom is. And so I think, um, yeah, since our hearts are deceitful, it's a conscious effort every day to deny ourselves and, um, and what we think is right in our own eyes um, and to follow Jesus. So we all benefit from learning more about wisdom, especially when it comes from God and his people. So I really hope you guys will consider going to Pizza Theology and, and learning more about that topic and be excited about it. Um, and yeah, we have some awesome people teaching it. Um, I dated a guy kind of this foolish way, thinking I knew best, not really getting advice. Um, you know, I thought I knew best that my heart um, and what it wanted didn't need to be denied, um, and that my spiritual mentors and friends didn't actually know what I needed and were keeping me from good, and they were keeping me from fun. Guess where I ended up? Not here. <laughs> I ended up broken up with. Um, and in a selfish, unhealthy relationship before that, and I was heartbroken, just picking up the pieces. I had people in my life who knew me, and more importantly, loved and cared for me, and loved God, and they wanted me to date in a way that really honored Jesus and the guy that I was dating. But I was prideful, and I was infatuated, and I just wanted to be right, and I wanted this other person to be who I wanted them to be. And guess who was there to help me pick up the pieces? Jesus indeed. And all the people that were walking alongside me giving me advice. They didn't rub it in my face. They helped me, you know, get back up on my feet. Something I think that's important to keep in mind is that, yes, it's your relationship, but this other person does not belong to you. They belong to God. And so do you. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. What you do in your own life and the decisions you make are God's business because you belong to him if you call yourself a disciple. And what you decide in a relationship with another son or daughter of God is God's business because they belong to him, not you. This is good news because God loves us and wants the very best for us. He's not selfish like us, but he puts others above himself. I'm sure Jesus didn't feel like dying on the cross. Anybody think that sounds so fun? Um, 
But he denied himself and was thinking of us and died so that we could have a relationship with him and be with him forever. Do we think that when we allow God to guide us to who we should date through the advice of his people that he's going to trick us and give us something bad? Luke 11:11. 11, 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Is that the kind of father you think God is? It may feel like that when actually we just want what we want even when it's bad for us. We're like little kids who just want to eat cake for dinner and then we throw ourselves on the floor and throw a tantrum and say, it's not fair when our good parents are just giving us nutritious food. In community, God puts people in our lives who are wise and who have experience and who love us and also want the best for us. How would our community be transformed if we were people who sought out our mentors and friends to ask them for advice in our dating relationships instead of waiting to be asked the perfect question about our relationship to open up about what's going on in it? If we went and asked the mentor or friends of the person we're dating if they have any advice or wisdom on how we can put the needs of this other person above our own. I think we'd be more of a community who lives in the light when it comes to our relationships. I think that we would be a community always seeking to love better and more deeply, not just in a selfish way. Um, where we have deeper friendships because we know what's going on with each other, including our romantic relationships. Where we know not just that someone's dating someone, and that's cool, but why they're dating him and how it's going. If I care what's best for the person I'm dating, then I seek wisdom and don't assume I know everything, and I invite other people in. What if I don't lead them to be their best for Jesus in our relationship? What if I'm not best for them? What do you do? Those are hard questions to ask yourself. But if you're looking out for someone else more than you, we're glad to ask the hard questions and to do the hard thing. A bit of a caveat within this, but if the person you're dating doesn't belong to you, then why do we have rules around our friends not going on dates with someone after you've broken up with them? Society says, Layla, you want me to say it again? All right, girl, I'll say it again. If the person you're dating doesn't belong to you, why do we have rules around our friends not going on dates with someone after you've broken up with them? Society says that somehow, even if you've broken up with someone, they're still your property or, you know, belong to you, even though you're not actually with them and that it's insulting for someone you know to then go and ask them on a date. That's extremely selfish and treating that person like a slave or your property. They do not belong to you, they belong to God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world adopts this idea in dating and looks at people as property. Love people like Jesus instead. Conforming to the patterns of the world look like focusing so much on our boyfriend or girlfriend that we stop being good friends to people in our life. The circumstances have changed, and there is someone else that you're spending time with and that you're kind of splitting your time between, but we don't stop being selfless towards the other people in our lives. 
when we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, we invite people into our relationship. I had a lot of friends in high school that as soon as they started dating someone, I literally never hung out with them again. Like, we hung out every week one-on-one, and when they got a boyfriend, I never spent time with them again. Them or them and their significant other. Like, it was non-existent. All of their relational time had to go to them. And it made me feel really isolated and sad. I really didn't have a lot of friends because that happened often. (laughs) And I didn't really date. Um, So that impacted a lot of how I ended up dating my now husband, Johnny. Um, Some of my best memories of our dating relationship is when we would do our date nights at the house that I lived in with five other girls. And we would play Mario Kart and we would cook meals together. We'd go to Bucky's, we would do all this stuff together. And it was so fun because my friends got to be around Johnny, who I was trying to get to know and who I needed them to know him so they could help me, you know, give advice in in our relationship. And then they got to develop a friendship with him, too. So I would encourage you that if you're in a relationship, to invite your friends into your time with your significant other and keep pursuing your friendships and investing in other people besides this person. Jesus cares about who we are in dating relationships. That doesn't just mean how we relate to and treat the other person in the relationship, but how it affects how we relate to and treat other people outside of the relationship. Don't conform, be transformed. So, it's kind of the end of the practicals. But in the end, um, these are words of advice that are extrapolated or taken from biblical wisdom. You can take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. But on Judgment Day, you <laughs> on Judgment Day you look back and say, "I remember that sermon that Kylie gave. I remember it." Um. That was, that was a perfect time to take a breath. Really <laughs> accentuated the, oh, what? What do I do? Oh, that's good. Okay. On judgment day, you won't get to say, everyone else was doing it. Or I didn't know any better. You won't get to use that as an excuse. All you're saying is the world had a pattern and you conformed to it. You will be judged by the word of God, and you'll be judged accordingly for how you treat other image bearers of God. And that's to be taken seriously. Don't conform, be transformed. So does Jesus care about your love life? Yes. He cares for you, and he cares about how you treat other people. He cares that you deny yourself, that you take up your cross, and that you follow him, rather than conforming to the patterns of the world and how we choose to date. So this is a question just to kind of leave you guys with. If you want to write it down and think about it for a minute, worship team, y'all can come up. How do you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind in light of how Jesus says to care for people when it comes to how you view dating? How do you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind in light of how Jesus says to care for people when it comes to how you view dating? So I'm going to say a prayer for us, and then we're going to continue in our worship. Um, God, thank you so much for caring so much about us and for being the best example 
of how to really love people and, and how to treat them with respect and how to honor them. I pray that we would not conform to the world, that, but we would be transformed by how you lived your life and how you treated people. Um, and that our community would reflect that in how we date and how we um, choose people to get to know in our community. So we love you, and in your name we pray, amen. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh,